in the heart of a champion there is a fire and the flames are controlled by burning desire to be the best you can be so everyone will These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands by it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods. And it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. That is the words of Thomas Paine, probably his most famous quote, that was written in The American Crisis in 1776 as the start of the revolution was kicking off. And so... Thinking of that quote this morning as we were getting ready to come into the studio, I thought, wow, what what an idea and what a concept to generate what we want to talk about today, which is we want to talk about the restoration of a man's soul. And if these are the times that try a man's soul, Payne's talking about the revolution, I'm wondering today, how are these times trying the souls of men? And what are they calling out of men? What are they asking us to do? What are they asking us to become? And so that will be the topic of today's podcast, the restoration of a man's soul. But before we go further with that discussion, we've got to introduce who we have in our studio today. Of course, uh, this is Mike Barnett, Overtrek. And of course, as always, we have our dear friend, Corey, the easy target, Cantrell. And then we have a very special guest today, and we're excited that, in fact, I want to say this, this guest is so special that we crawled out of our homes in the darkness of early morning, wee morning hours, so that we could get him in the studio. In our undisclosed location. In our undisclosed location, so we could get him before he goes off to his battle mission of the day. But yes, right here in studio today, we have Dean Carmichael. Otherwise known on the trail as... Roland Napoleon. Thanks for having me. Roland Napoleon. Last podcast episode, you were introduced by name. As you said yesterday, up until this point, you're nothing but a myth, an urban legend. And so we had to (laughs) get you in the studio today to prove that there is such a creature. There is. (laughs) Yes, I do exist. Really thought that it would be great to have you in just experience of of ministry, experience of uh, also just the time that we have spent on the trails together. So we want to talk a little bit about that. First of all, you on your very first trip with us on a code backpacking trip, got your trail name. We could sit here and tell the story of how you were named what you were named, but it would be better if you would tell the story of how you got your name. Well, Roland Napoleon is the second best trail name uh, next to Private Ryan which 
I take full credit for, by the way. Yeah, um, you got it. And Easy Target kind of butchered my story last week in he a did. way. He, he did. In in my defense, I even prefaced that before I gave the story out there that I would not do it justice. So, so I think my original trail name, the the idea of it when we were sitting around the fire was IMDB. Yep. I think because it was pretty much a walking, talking, uh, movie quotes, all you know, up and down the mountain. But yeah, so uh, the the whole way Napoleon, Roland Napoleon, well, was born. I think it was. Uh, it started out as a here we were quoting. Napoleon Dynamite the entire time, pretty much. So, um, anyway. Was that more of a, uh, uh, just that your your heart was so light and you're having such a great time, or was that more of a, let's get our mind off of the misery of climbing this mountain? Actually, I think it was coming down the mountain, and yes, the second the second part, the misery, <laughs> uh, the tolls it was putting on my knees as we were walking down Mount Mitchell. But um, a couple names were thrown out there, but that, that that's how uh, Roland Napoleon was born. We were just... Uh, Sitting around the fire, coming up with some good names, and I think, Corey, you had mentioned, uh, Easy Target, you had mentioned how I just rolled with everything. I think that was, you know, do we keep going? Yeah, sure, that's fine. Do we stop and take a break? Yeah, sure, that's fine. So, so yeah, that's how Roland Napoleon was born. Whatever, whatever. Didn't matter to you. You were just glad to be there. We needed a little bit of that to sort of balance out my intensity and Easy Target's lack of intensity. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, all right. All right, so you have now dove right into the code. You are a yep. big part of that. And so thank you. We're, we're excited to have Dr. Dean is his other name. Yeah, many and names, that's yeah, one of them. Got a lot of names. Yeah. You look like a lot of people, too. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah so, I get that a lot. Yeah. yeah do. <laughs> so who do people say you look like the most? Oh, man. Um, I get Woody Harrelson sometimes. Mm. That's a... Oh, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's a compliment, right? I guess maybe I don't know. I can't really think of many more. Well, I can think of several. <laughs> yeah, what was the last uh, the last show I was introduced as? Uh, uh, Hillbilly from the Appalachia. Yes, Hillbilly from the Appalachia. Yeah. Uh, well, of course, Easy yeah. Target likes to refer to you as a young Abe Lincoln. Yes, yes. that's what it was. Yeah. So we're talking about the restoration of a man's soul, and this has been a topic of discussion around our lives over the last few days. Going back to Psalm 23 and verse 3, you know, David wrote in Psalm 23 and 3, he's, he's talking about his life as a shepherd, but he's reflecting on how God has shepherded his own life. And a fundamental part of that is the statement, he restoreth my soul. And that really got me to thinking about specifically for men. Number one, what is it that causes us to need our soul to be restored? And then how do we restore our soul? What actually gives a man complete restoration in his soul? And that's what I wanted to explore a little bit today. But going back to the quote that I read at the beginning from Thomas Paine, you know, it was written, it's the start of the revolution, and he says, these are the times that try men's souls. And I, I'm just thinking, okay, so it, today, what are, what are, what's happening in these times that is trying the souls of men in particular? What is putting the pressure on a man today? I think one of the things are just the the responsibilities of life. You know, all of the, man, I've got to be here, the expectations on a man to be this, that, or the other, and then, you know, a lot of those are unreasonable expectations that no one will ever be able to live to, and so then you got this sense of failure and not achieving the goals and even the personal goals that you set for yourself and wanting to be, you know, this for this person and that for that person. It's just, it's soul-draining. 
It is soul draining. The um, I think you know the 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 push to achieve certain standards, to line up with what other people are doing, and really reminds me of a great text, a great passage where Jesus said, "For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul?" That is not something that happens when we die. You don't lose your. I mean, sure, when you die without Christ, you'll lose your soul in eternity, but. But Jesus is describing something that happens to a man now. A man can sell out his soul in pursuit of the world. And so that pressure is created. It's put on us to perform certain ways, achieve certain things. And if we're not doing that, then we're not real men. That builds to other things. I mean, you can, the pace of life. I think the pace of life is a, is a big part of what's trying our soul. What, what's your pace of life right now? Do you feel hurried? Do you feel relaxed? Kind of what Easy Target was saying, right? Just all the expectations and uh, what others, uh, you know, want you to do, and trying to think of myself, trying to be the the godly husband, the godly father, but you know, also uh, be a good employee, and and so on and so forth. There's just so much that that can drain you, but also just the motives of that when that becomes more of a chore, and you do those things just kind of out of habit, versus going for the fulfillment of it, right? Going for uh, the the responsibility that God's given us and given Him the glory through that sometimes we lose we lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. I think of uh, of Adam for example. I mean he was given the the garden to to keep and to dress it before the fall. You know this wasn't a responsibility that was given to him um, as part of the curse. This was given to him you know, to commune with God as their as their fellowship as their relationship. And God's given me all these things. He's given me a you know wonderful wife, wonderful family. He's given me a wonderful home, a job, so on and so forth. And to stay in fellowship with him, I keep those things and, and take that responsibility. But at times, they become you know stressful and, and so on and so forth. So when, when you get your schedule so busy and mm-hmm. so forth, you forget that these things were given to me so I could be in more fellowship with God. So when the gifts of God become burdens, we've done something wrong. So Correct. Easy Target talked about that last night, the the growth, the one-sided growth or the growth getting out of proportion and unbalanced life. You know, again, I, I really think that it's so important to look at, look at the life of Jesus. He was always busy, right? Mm-hmm. Always doing something right. to some degree, and yet he was never in a hurry. He was always doing things at a pace that... That seems so hard for us to find these days. Something almost makes me think, you know, there's a difference in being in a hurry and doing something with urgency. You know, urgency, you know, shows that hey, we're on a we're on a deadline. This is this is pertinent. This is pressing. But I'm not going to rush the details and do something haphazardly or or half-heartedly just for the sake of getting it done. Whereas hurried puts you almost in this chaotic frenzy of. I've got to get it done at all costs just so I can hurry up and get this behind me. Mm-hmm. I think of, too, the, the tools we have now to get things done, right? We, we allows us to get things done quicker, but at the same time, it also, we're not using uh, our minds to the fullest capacity, right? We have all these shortcuts now to get things done, and we're not taking the time to really enjoy it and, you know, yeah. uh, live at that uh, fulfillment. Um, you know, we have our... Our technology is referred to a lot. Um, just think of a GPS, for example, just you know, driving from point A to point B. We, we, we don't even pay attention to where we're going. We're in such a hurry to get there, we forget to, to look around and enjoy that. 
you know, think about this. You've heard this. Back years ago when cameras first were invented and people would set to have their picture taken, they didn't smile. And why was that? According to what we, you know, we've read, they, they, were, they believed that if they smiled that the camera would take their soul from them. Hmm. Like that was a, a thing. And, and my, my daughters were talking about that the other night, and it hit me. And I said, ah, and has that not come to become the reality of our day? Because what you just described is all the efficiency that we've sought after by technology and time-saving devices, we are living at that pace of life, but we are not living at a soulful pace of life. You, you, know, you said we're not really enjoying it. Correct. When we can't enjoy what we're doing, when the blessings or the good things become burdened, something's wrong, something's way out of balance. My, my grandparents... So I was thinking about this pace of life and, you know, just stillness and rest and quiet. And, but I was thinking, my, my grandfather worked a 40-hour-a-week job, you know, five days a week he's at the job. And yet they still managed to run, you know, have a small farm, you know, had cows and dogs and hogs and all the stuff. They, they had at least two pretty good-sized gardens most of the time. I'm talking about, you know, more than an acre of garden probably. Uh, maybe two. They bailed hay. They cut wood to heat with. I mean, it's just the list goes on and on and on. And on the weekends, there was still church and there was still time to drive around and go visit friends and family members. And yet every day, almost without fail, they had time to sit out in the yard or on the front porch and just relax mm. in rocking chairs. Right. Oh, and they still watched Hee Haw. <laughs> I mean, right. how did they get all that done? And then, you know, my thought was, well, they didn't have cell phones. They did not have computers in their home. They did not have all this stuff that we say makes life better and easier, but it has robbed our soul. And another thing, too, just on that, when you enjoy things, it's so much easier to do them. You know, when you look at it through the perspective of this is what God has given me, this is the job he's given me, this is the family he's given me, and you're, you're wanting to be the best you can with that to draw closer to him and have a better relationship with him but when you lose sight of that it just becomes a chore and it's just it, it, it's just the day just drags on and it's just tiring right so. yeah so the the pressures to achieve the pressures of advancing and gain the pace of life these are two things that are that are probably trying men's souls these days you know, there's another one, I think, that I, I don't know the right terminology to use here, but I think we all know this is a big thing that exists, and it's the societal pressure to to blend the identities of gender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and by the way, that's not a new thing, but it has really almost been like an avalanche in the last decade or so, whatever, of just really pushing and pressuring men to become less masculine redefining of masculinity. Where have you seen that in, in, in the society and in culture? Just about everywhere. I mean, you think of movies, you think of uh, TV shows, media. Well, I've, one of the areas that I noticed in, you mentioned, you mentioned seeing it in TV, but man, you think, about, think about growing up, the, the shows with a, you know, with a family unit, I remember, I remember when TV Land first came out, right? And you know, you got all the, ref- you know, Father Knows Best, Leave It to Beaver, all those. And and the father was, he was well respected in the home. He was a place that you went to for advice, for counsel. 
the stuff that I remember growing up as a child, most of the time, the dad was an idiot. He was a bumbling buffoon. You know, you wouldn't go to him for any kind of common sense because all he does is sit around in his easy chair, drink beer, and burp. And that's that's what he did. That's what his contribution was. It's not what Andy Griffith did. But that wasn't coming out new when I was a, when I was oh, a child. Yeah, that yeah. would have fallen back under the the golden age. That's what I get for not paying attention. And so, and so then you've got then you've got mom who is you know she has all of the qualities of what you should want to emulate in life. Which don't get me wrong, a godly mother is vital. There's a lot of qualities that I that I want to adopt from my mother, but also from my father as well. And it was almost like it was a a subtle push. Hey, let's be more like mom. Because you don't want to turn out like dad. He's an idiot. So boys, act more like your mom and not as much like your dad because you don't want to grow up and be an idiot. Yeah, you don't see a lot of Ward Cleavers anymore. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or Andy Griffith. Or Barney Fives. And, yeah, Stonewall Fife. Either. Yeah, while you're finishing flipping that, I, I know both Napoleon and I here got a little upset that you said we were some original uh, voters of your trail name because we, we did not vote over Trek, but... We did. We're very upset with that because we thought of a better name that was a missed opportunity, if you remember that, the Stonewall Fife. But we were, what, the only two yeah. out of it – was, it was a missed opp- well, opportunity. Well, my philosophy in life has always been when you've spent your one bullet, give them the bayonet. See? And Stonewall Fife was the perfect name. And you even said, Overtrek even said, I would have wore that name with honor. Yeah, probably would have yeah. had that etched into my – desk plate or oh something. you'd be wearing a shirt with it right now yeah. if you had it but no barney we, fife with a stonewall jackson beard that I mean, that's be, awesome yeah now that you you look a lot like that i i actually <laughs> actually i have been told i look like stonewall jackson and i just remembered oh, that that was one that i forgot now earlier. i'm gonna yeah. go pull out a picture and study that i think yeah. i i take well that anyway over the guy from frosty the snowman so. so here is if i can get myself together here um There's a book that was published or put out, When Christianity Was Muscular, by Brett and Kate McKay, and we we frequent the Art of Manliness website, and I don't know the whole history of this this e-book, because I'm not an e-book guy, but here I have pulled it up. This, This section, The Crisis of Masculinity at the Turn of the 20th Century. While it is often thought that a concern over the perceived lack of manliness in society is a recent phenomenon, it has actually emerged periodically for ages and does so on a cyclic basis. In times of hardship and war, men's unique strengths are vitally needed, and in rising to a challenge and sacrificing for a cause, their manhood is confirmed in plain, demonstrable ways. In times of peace and plenty, on the other hand, There aren't many opportunities for men to exercise the core virtues of masculinity and prove their manhood. A societal debate thus arises as to what the, quote, new role for men should be. While people wring their hands over whether men are getting too soft, a visceral fear, which basically translates into, things are peaceful now, but what if a crisis came? Could this crop of men protect us? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? And I have... I have said that. I've all, I've thought that. Maybe we've talked about that on, around the council fires before. If something really breaks out right now, is the current crop of men going to be sufficient to lead, to protect, to intervene on behalf of our society? That's a fair question to ask. So we need to make sure that we're not losing the true definition of masculinity, and not and that we're not losing this ministry of raising men in our day. 
So the, this whole push for this gender equality, the emasculation of man. One, one thing that kind of sparked this whole, you know, this, this whole push from society about the whole, you know, the toxic masculinity thing. And a lot of that was just them focusing on the negative, right? Just from, from times past, men that are abusive and, um, you know, arrogance and, and pride. All the things that as godly men were told to flee from, right? Uh, womanizing and so on and so forth. All the things that um, that that we as as men of God tried to 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 get away from, but that was what was focused. That's that was the it is not the part about uh, the, the Davids and the godly men that really sought after the Lord. Well, I've got one more thing that I had jotted down that I think, and maybe one of the most dangerous of the things that are trying men's souls today, and that really is, you know, because the question is, well, what what's taking men out? If, if we need to restore the soul, what is it that's taking the soul of man out? And we've talked about the pressures of society to achieve and to obtain things and all that. We've talked about the pace of life, and that's a big one. Then we talked about this gender equality thing, and but this one, this one is a big killer that you're going to see everywhere. When I say it, you're going to recognize it, and it's isolation. This is as big a killer of men's souls as anything. Men tend to withdraw, especially from other men. When I say that, isolation, do you see that in your, in your world, and how do you see that? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. You know, you say from, from each other. Um, something that I've noticed just over the years is that the the bond between men over the decades, especially uh, just with with all that's going on, right, has has declined. I mean, you have, uh, for example, you think of of women and their relationships, and they they even call each other girlfriends, right? I mean, they're very close. They're um, but but men, uh, they we've kind of lost that over the years. We've um, it's kind of what do men have in common? They have, you know, football or sports or whatever it is. But there's really no meaningful re- relationship there, and it's, it's really sad uh, because, you know, the Bible says iron sharpeneth iron, right? So having a, a good brother in Christ, and when you isolate yourself, when men isolate themselves from each other, we really miss out on something, having a brother in Christ to truly encourage you and build you up and help your soul, right? Help you stay in fellowship with the Lord. And that's something I've noticed that just have, have how... Men as a whole, myself, sometimes we isolate ourselves from different things, and one of them being other men. Just mm-hmm. One of the greatest things for any Christian man is to have a brother in Christ, uh, a best friend in the Lord that can help them. You know, Paul and Timothy and Silas and Luke and all those guys, how they had each other during those trying times uh, to build one another up and to strengthen each other. David and Jonathan. And some of the things that I've noticed about why men isolate, almost like it, it ties back into that perception that this is what a man is supposed to be. We know the areas that we fall short. We know the areas that we're not meeting that mark, but we don't want to let anybody else into that. We don't want to admit that we're not what we feel that we should be. We're not, even on a, even on a job site, you know, you would never see a man that was struggling in his job admit that. You know, it was always, he. I mean, he would keep that mask up that, hey, everything's fine. I've got this. I'm under control. I don't need your help. I don't need your sympathy. I don't need, because a lot of times we had, you had some of those people that were, well, for lack of better terms, just sorry and lazy, would always be looking for help, looking for somebody else to come do their job. So then when you had another man that was legitimately struggling and legitimately having a hard time and needing some assistance, 
because he didn't want to be branded as, you know, one of those guys. He would just pour it into himself and, and just stay there and, you know, not ever reach out or any kind of help. And it, and it translates over into so much other parts of life because we don't want to be someone who is needy or dependent on anybody else. We want to, you know, handle our own business, handle our own problems. And so whenever we're at a point where we really need some of that iron sharpening iron, like you were talking about, we need some of that assistance and that brotherly bonding. We don't want to give off the impression that we're anything less than men. And so we just stay miserable. It's all about a concealment. And I've got a another quote I want to give you from a book that I just picked, just got a week or so ago, but I've heard of it. Maybe you have, you guys have Healing the Masculine Soul by Gordon Dalby. And uh, I was reading in this actually just this morning, and it really fit well with this. He says, it's hard for us men to form close relationships with one another. Hence one author's title, The Friendless American Male. What indeed are we so afraid of in other men that keeps us so isolated from one another? On the surface, it would appear that we're afraid other men will destroy us. Hence the term, the manly art of self-defense. In fact, I believe we're afraid of the manly courage and strength that are summoned when men come together. A unique and truly awesome power arises when men gather, the power God gives especially to men collectively to get his work done in this world. Yet, because this power is so much greater than my own individual self, my ego is threatened by it. My self-centered human nature assumes that power originates in the other men and not God, because I know I can't measure up to it myself. I judge myself as less manly than my others. My ego perceives that that power is destructive and prepares me to defend against it instead of to join with it. Wow. And, and one thing, too, when, when, when men get together, if we're not careful, that competitive nature comes out, right? And, you know, instead of having a bond, sometimes it's more of just a a competition, mm-hmm. right? Instead of truly, you know, enjoying each other's company and, and growing more um, to, to Christ, we uh, it's, 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 we try to one-up each other and, and you lose that, that meaningful relationship. Yeah. And there's a difference between friendly, developmental, you know, competition sure. and what you're describing, which is tear down everybody else so that I look bigger. Correct. You know, and feel better. It's, one of them, it's that false man. All right. We've kind of covered some ground with some things that are trying men's souls, the pace of life, the pressures of society, the whole gender mixing thing of our day, and this thing of isolation. These are big things that are causing men to, to get taken out. And, you know, when you, when you know all that kind of stuff, then you read something like Psalm 42, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? And, you know, the, the fact of the matter is is that a lot of men don't recognize that's what they're thirsting for. But we do. We know that when our souls have been torn down, we've gotten kind of out of kilter, out of balance, there's something inside of us that says, I need God's help. You can kind of understand when we talk about things we've listed why our soul is being assaulted as men in the day that we're living in. Now, how do we overcome this? How does a man get his soul restored? What we're going to do then, we're going to stop the recording today. And there's so much more we could do with this. And down the road, I think we will do more with it. 
But for now, we've, we've kind of laid out some of those traps, snares, and things along the way. But we're going to stop here, come back next time. We're going to talk a little bit about, well, how, how do we restore the soul of a man? What is, what is needed in our lives as men to restore us? And this is the work of God. He's going to do the restoration, but he uses certain things. And, you know, even Scripture gives us a prescription, if you will, about how to get our soul restored. But we want to thank What's your name? <laughs> Very sought-after guest here. You know, you know. come on. Roland Very sought-after yes. guest, Roland Napoleon. High demand. Yep. And high demand requires yes. that we've got to let you go because you've got places to be today. This is correct. And yeah. I'm pretty sure that uh, you're going to get paid more for where you go next than what we've paid you for being our guest today. Correct. Yes, yeah. this is true. You know, our motto around here is, you come work with us, the, 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 the promise is the same to everyone. The pay is zero, but we'll give you all the hours you want. There we go. That's, that's our that's policy. Yeah. I think that's what the quote was. Yeah. yeah. From Stonewall Five. That was a Stonewall yeah. Five quote. Or Abraham Lincoln said it. Next. But anyway, all right. Well, thank you for being with us today. Thanks for we're having gonna, me. We'll, yep. we'll have you on the next podcast as well when we come back together. And so for now, uh, keep pushing, keep struggling, keep striving to be manly men and uh, let God guide us in that. But. Uh, we want to thank you for listening, and we want to encourage you. You can go to our Facebook page, which is Facebook. Code of Man. Dot. <laughs> it's just, just go to Facebook and type in Code of Man. <laughs> yeah, your voice is changing in these days. Yeah, so really, really, really much. Was. Very manly. I don't know who that was. Just some random grizzly man just walked in here. Code of Man. <laughs> You see what this podcast will do for you? It will make a man out of you. Really? Where? I mean, he's growing a full beard over there. He's wearing flannel now. It's great. Don't forget our email address, uh, which is codeofmangen127. At gmail.com. At gmail.com, because we are a well-funded organization, nonprofit with no money. (laughs) So if you're listening out there and you get a random email at your email. (laughs) It's not spam, we promise. (laughs) Okay. Thanks to our good friend Bruce Fry. Don't want to forget, uh, he gives us uh, this great music, The Heart of a Champion, which is our theme song for the podcast. And uh, you can go to brucefry.com and find some more information about Bruce Fry, get some of his music. And man, I'm looking forward to one day getting Bruce Fry on this program as well. Awesome. So uh, until next time, this is Overtrek Mike Barnett saying uh, happy trails to you. And Corey Easy Target Cantrail saying good morning, good afternoon, and good night. This is Roland Napoleon saying, you are welcome. In the heart of a champion, there is a fire. And the flames are controlled by burning desire. To be the best you can be. Heart of a champion.